Thank you. Open your Bibles, please. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 2. We're going to read together there, Matthew, chapter 2. And I wanted to mention as well, don't forget uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. 100% of that goes to support our career missionaries uh, with the International Mission Board, including missionaries who are from our own church. And I'm grateful that we can support them, encourage them in this time of year. Some of them, they won't be coming home for Christmas, of course, and we want to remember them and support them and encourage them. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, and oh, I wanted to mention that Christmas Eve services are at 2 o'clock or at 4 o'clock, and then Christmas Day, one ser- just one service at 1030 that Christmas morning. Well, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, and I want to read those first 12 verses as we look at the great story of the wise men. The Bible says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Well, I love this story, and I want us to note three principles from this great story of the wise men. God gave us this story for us, not just to tell us what happened long ago, but to apply it to our lives, to teach us from it. And so I want you to note three principles. If you've got your worship guide on the back of that, you can write these notes or on the church app. Let's note these three things about what the wise do today. Number one, the wise search for him. The wise search for him. And certainly the wise men were willing to leave their home far away, probably in Persia, a long distance, and come all the way to Bethlehem to search for this king that was born. They traveled maybe 900 miles, long distance. They left their homes, their families, all that was easy, all that was comfortable, all that they knew, all they were used to. And they traveled to find out about the birth of this Messiah. Notice that the Bible tells us they came in verse 1 to Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod. And um, they asked that question, where is where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and come to worship him. The Bible tells us uh, in verse 3 and 4 that King Herod was not happy about this. King Herod, of course, was a wicked king. He wasn't going to worship the Messiah. He wanted to destroy the Messiah. And so he assembled the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he asked them where the Messiah would be born. And they knew. In verse 5 they said, in Bethlehem. And they quoted the prophet who had foretold of the birth of Jesus. And note that in 
Jerusalem, the scribes and the prophets and the priests knew about the birth of Jesus, knew about the birth of the Messiah that would come five miles away, and yet there's no evidence that they would travel. 900 miles the wise men would travel. No evidence that the scribes and Pharisees would travel five miles. Isn't it easy for us sometimes to forget to search for the Lord, to consider the things of God, to find out if it's true. And if this story is true, if this is more than just a story, but if God broke into humanity, it's worth your discovery. It's worth you finding out more. The Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 17, the people of Berea were more noble, of more noble character. And the Bible says that because they were willing to search the scriptures to find if these things were true. That is, they went to the Bible to find out, is this genuine? Is the gospel real? And I want to encourage you to consider the truth of the gospel. I want you to consider, is this man Jesus more than just a man? Did he really live for me and die for me and rise from the grave for me? Is he the means by which I can find forgiveness of sin and be made right with God who is in heaven? I want you to search for him. Christian, I want to encourage you to search the Bible for yourself and read it for yourself. What a privilege we have to be able to read the Bible for ourselves. But it is interesting, isn't it, that somehow we sort of forget about this search for the Lord. And the wise men, I'll note, traveled 900 miles when, we, when many would not go five miles just to see about the birth of Jesus. There's a second principle I'd like you to note with me. Not only do the wise search for him, but the wise worship him. And this is really a story of worship. The Bible tells us in verse 2, the wise men said, we saw a star at its rising and have come to worship him. That's the purpose. We're coming to worship. In verses 10 and following, the Bible tells us they see the star and they're overwhelmed with joy and they enter the house. And by the way, I don't want to ruin your nativity sets. You, you, can, you, you can have some artistic license, but they're not at the manger scene. This is at the house sometime later. And they see the child with Mary, his mother, and they fall to their knees and they worship him and they open their, their treasures. So let's... Let's note a few things about worship. Um, four things to note about worship. They note the appreciation of worship. I mean, they traveled all this distance, all the difficulties, all the struggles to worship. They valued it that highly. And may I say, across our own country, many would shrink at the idea of worshiping if it took any sort of difficulty at all. And while our church is better than most, it is not unusual in American life for worship attendance to be less if it's cloudy or, heaven forbid, if it might sprinkle on a Sunday. And yet here are people who are coming such great distance to worship. Did you know that, that around the world today are people who are facing great persecution for the cause of Christ and they are gathering to worship with great sacrifice in the offering, and yet they do so because they value worship so greatly. When many who name the name of Christ in other parts of our world, and particularly in the Western world, sort of yawn at worship and sort of, if, they worship only if it's convenient, if they didn't stay up too late, if they didn't have anything that was sort of an issue, if they didn't have any difficulties at all. It's sort of an afterthought, sort of if nothing else transpires. I want you to gain again the appreciation of worship. What a privilege it is for us to gather in a free nation and worship the Lord. What a privilege to be able to cry out to the King of kings and Lord of lords. What a, what a thrill it is for us to be able to sing praise to his name and to speak of his, 
uh, to read of his word and speak his name aloud. What a privilege. I want you to see the appreciation of worship. Notice, secondly, the attitude of worship. The Bible says they came with joy. They were overwhelmed, in fact, the Bible says, with joy. There was an attitude of joy in their worship, and there always ought to be for us. It's not that we don't have moments when we're quiet or more somber or reflective, and we ought to. And we recognize that we live in a broken, fallen world. This is a broken, fallen place. There is pain and hurt and sorrow. Grief is a part of our experience in this world. And yet even our grief, even our pain is tempered by the joy of the Lord, the promise of eternity. Death itself has been conquered by Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And so there's an attitude, always an underlying theme of joy in our worship. And I want to encourage you to recognize that. Even though you may be facing difficult circumstances, in the middle of and through those trying times, remember the joy of the Lord. Remember the promises God has made. Remember the victory that he gives. That's the attitude of worship. And then notice thirdly, the effect of worship. The Bible says when they came into the, in, into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. They bowed before him. And there was a genuine humility in their life. And we ought to be humble. We have much to be humble about. We have much to be humble about. I don't doubt you've got talents and abilities and skills, mad skills. I don't doubt that at all. I'm saying we have much to be humble about. We are broken, fallen creatures, and we come before the Lord, the King of kings. He lived the perfect life, not us. We need humility. The danger is that we would come before the Lord with pride as though we were somehow able to pick ourselves up, as though somehow we were able to reach heaven by our own merits and our own goodness. But when we see the truth most clearly, we recognize that we are broken sinners separated from God by that sin and that all that we can have and all the promises that God gives come because of his goodness and not ours, because of what he has done for us and not because of what we can do for him. And so we come when we're thinking most wisely with humility and we bow our knee before him and we recognize his sovereignty and his lordship in our lives. And then notice the activity of worship. They gave. They gave of themselves and their time and their energy and their treasure, and they worshiped him. And I hope you'll never lose the wonder of the privilege of worship. And sometimes with the lights and the glitter, the presence and the food, we sort of forget about the worship. But these wise men didn't forget, and the wise still remember to worship. I want you to see a third principle with me. I said the wise search for him and worship him, but thirdly, the wise honor him. And in verse 10 and 11, we see them entering the house with joy, and they see Mary, his mother, and they fall to the knees, and they worship him. And they opened, the Bible says, their treasures, and they presented him with gifts, three gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold is a symbol of kings, and they wanted to honor this day the king of kings and lord of lords, greater than any politician, greater than, than any king or dictator. And they gave their gold as a symbol of his rightful place as king of kings and lord of lords. They honored him. They brought frankincense, a symbol of deity, incense, a symbol of deity, a reminder that Jesus was more than just a good man. Jesus was God who became a man. Emmanuel, God is with us. And God came into this world. We 
need more than just a good man. Jesus was certainly a good man, but more than that, we need a good teacher. And Jesus was certainly a great teacher, but we need more than that. He was God who became a man. God himself broke into this world. The God who created the universe came into this world on our behalf to live the life we couldn't live and do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And then notice they gave myrrh, and myrrh is a symbol of death. And while I'm thankful for the life of Jesus, we'd never forget that he came to die. This myrrh that was used in the embalming process was a reminder of the death that Jesus would come to die for us. And Jesus went to the cross for you. He died the death you deserve. He died in your place, in my place, for your sins and for my sins. And these wise men honored him with their gold and frankincense and myrrh. They remembered that he is king, that he is Lord, and that he would be our Savior. Before my uh, father passed away, he went on an honor flight. For years, my mother had tried to get him to go on, on these honor flights. Some of you know about these flights uh, veterans would take to Washington, D.C., to the monuments there. And my dad had never felt worthy of going. He, he served at the very end of World War II, after the war, as the war was ending and winding down. He never even went overseas and certainly didn't feel worthy to be honored for that. And then when he served in Korea, he was in Korea for uh, 18 months, and, and there was a, a good bit of difficulty there, of course. Um, but he didn't have the same difficulties that his younger brother had had, who faced some very traumatic, life-changing situations in his life. And so my father never felt um, worthy of that honor. But my mother encouraged him and urged him, and finally my father went near the end of his life and they flew him to the he and other veterans they flew to the monuments there in Washington DC and he saw the World War II monument and the Korea the Korean conflict monument and was reminded of all that had taken place before all those who didn't come back and then when he came back on that flight home there were people there who were just uh cheering for them and honoring those veterans as they returned. It was a special moment for him. It was a, it was a, a great balm to his soul. And we honor the Lord this Christmas season, this Sunday and, and every day when we think most wisely. We honor him for what he has done, the sacrifice he made on our behalf. L listen, if we're not careful, we sort of forget to honor those who have gone before us. If we're not careful, we sort of forget to honor those who have sacrificed on our behalf. And so much so at Christmas to forget what Jesus has done for us. Yet the king of glory would break into this world. That God would become a man and live among us. That Jesus, the son of God, would go to the cross on our behalf to die for our sins. And the wise still honor him. And so this day, I want to ask you to join me in honoring our Lord. We honor him with our lives, not just our lips, and with our spirit and, and with our soul. We honor him by following him and living for him. We honor him by knowing him as Savior. And so I want to ask you to bow with me wherever you are this moment, to bow with me for a moment. And some of you are here who need Christ as Savior. And you've been reminded this day that you'll never be able to be saved by your own goodness. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't somehow self-improve to perfection. You're a broken sinner like all of us.
and you need a savior. But Christ lived the perfect life for you and died the death you deserve and provided the miracle that you need in the resurrection and offers salvation. And if today you will repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ, your trust in him, he'll save you. Right where you sit, we just say, Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner who needs a savior. And I want to turn from my sin and I want to turn to you. And I believe you died for me and rose from the grave for me. And I give my life to you and I ask you to save me. Christ will save you. If you will give him your life, he'll save you. Christian, would you say, God, I, I want to live a, a life of wisdom. I want to search for your will and purpose and plan for my life. I want to worship you to bow my heart, my knee before you. I want to honor you with all that I am and all that I have. And so, Father, we thank you for this great story of the wise men and teach us from their wisdom. Teach us from their wisdom, Father, so that we live a life that glorifies you. I'm praying, Lord, for lost to be saved and for Christians to be strengthened. And I pray, Lord, we will live a life that honors you because you are worthy of our worship and worthy of that honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.